Hello and welcome to Women in Confidence with me, Vanessa Murphy, HR expert, confidence coach and now podcaster. This podcast discusses all things to do with confidence in life and in work. And this is a podcast for women who want to learn what confidence is, how to obtain it and how to maintain it and learn how confidence can help you grow and flourish. Every week, I introduce you to amazing women who have interesting stories to tell about confidence. Through their stories, insights, hints and tips, you realise that a lack of self-belief or low self-esteem is common and also very human. But by listening to them, you'll take away what they have done to show up confidently on the inside as well as on the outside. My guest this week is Molly Kent, and Molly is the founder of Day 7, which makes beautiful hospitality workwear. And Molly recognised there was a real need for the hospitality industry and the hospitality culture to change. And so she stepped into that market based on her 10 years of experience in the industry. She's an amazing, amazing person because she launched a business in the lockdown and throughout the pandemic. So my heart off to her. So listen to the episode and realize how she did it. So Molly, hello and welcome to Women in Confidence and thanks for joining me today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) No, it's, um, I mean, it's just a pleasure. And I loved, we've spoken before and I just loved your energy. So I think you're going to be amazing as a guest and have lots to share with my listeners. So my first question, I always ask everybody this, what does having confidence mean to you? Oh, that's an amazing question because I feel like when I was younger, I had all the confidence in the world. And over the years, it's really changed um, how I see what confidence is and what it makes you as a person. But I think at the end of the day, what confidence really is to me is just like truly just backing yourself and what you want to do as well. And um, like, You've really got to just have the grit to just keep going with whatever you want to do and that confidence. And even it's a whole fake it till you make it. Like, I honestly do believe in that catchphrase because if no one else is going to believe it, you're the only one at the end of the day that's really going to believe it and keep going with what you want to do. And that's, and when you, when you pick up your pieces, you, you, you give yourself little confidence every now and then. And it's you backing yourself really and whatever you want to do in life. And that's what, I always think confidence is for me. I, I I always thought I was a very confident person. And then it wasn't until my business came around that I was like, oh, maybe I'm not so confident. <laughs> but it was learning to ha- how to pick yourself up when, when those things are. And I'm like, well, I am confident in knowing who I am and what I want to do. And I think, yeah, it's, it's the drive for confidence and where you want to be, where you want to be at. And yeah. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to come on to the bit around fake it till you make it and also backing yourself because that's really what's driven you and what's guided you in some respects to being successful. But I want to go back to something you said around when you were younger, you had all the confidence in the world. <laughs> what was that? Well, how did, can you remember what, how would you describe yourself when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. I heard this quote the other day, actually, that was quite interesting and I resonated with it or it was possibly an interview, but they said, I knew so much more when I was 18 than I do now at 27. And I think, God, they're so right. Like I knew everything at 18. I was so confident. I was so like, you can't touch me. Like I am like, it's me against the world. I'm going to do everything in my power to do whatever I want in this world. And that was this like ooze of confidence. And I think it's, um, 
what comes when when you're like fresh blooded to like a, a project or life and you haven't lived everything or you're not tainted by things and you haven't gone through these pitfalls of ups and downs of life to like bat down your confidence either so so your your cup is full of confidence and you're ready to take on the world <laughs> yeah i resonated with that but that that's definitely how i felt when i was 18 i was like i'm going to do everything and i'm just going to live a full life which i i do believe i definitely live a full life but <laughs> yeah but now i think when you go through the ups and downs of life your confidence kind of gets a few dints and scratches on it and and you start to sort of question it a little bit more so sometimes I always think like I've got to put myself back in the 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 feet of my 18 year old me and all the shoes of my 18 year old me which are probably some six inch heels or something ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) but and and try and like resonate with that and take that into where I am now and and still believe that I have that confidence. It's just had a few dents and scratches in it. And that's how like, you know, you kind of gather all this energy to bring up this confidence for a meeting or for something that you think like, oh, I'm going to fail hard here, but, you know, we'll just go in with confidence. <laughs> and probably when I was 18, I would just walk in not even thinking about doubting anything and not not going into a meeting thinking, oh, this is going to bomb or anything. Like, I I would absolutely just go in there like, yeah, I'm ready to take on the world. This is it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the 18 year old Molly taking on the world, did you know at that point what you wanted to achieve? What was your life plan? Do you, can you remember? Oh, I definitely did not know exactly what I wanted to achieve when I was 18, but I knew I wanted to really do a lot in my life. Like I, I had so many interests and I still do. Like I, people my friends are always like what like you do so many random things (laughs) but I love I love it and it entertains me it keeps me um I love learning new things and that is probably where I couldn't stay in one place for longer than you know nine months at a time because I was just too excited to see the next thing so um for me going to university was a really difficult thing I couldn't I I'd traveled the year before and I couldn't just stay and study for another six years or whatnot. I just couldn't do it. So for me, when I was younger, I, I really didn't know where I was truly headed, but I, I loved the creative side of things. But then I loved being challenged through like, I loved the forensic side of things that I was really into at school. And that's what I went to university to study. But then again, they're two totally polarizing um, ideas. And then, and then I was traveling in between that and teaching English and, you know, working in different art galleries or working in hospitality and loving bartending or loving working in the guest house. I had a lot of jobs and I think I actually wanted to just gain experience in every single one of them. And that's, where I I would start to learn what I don't like and what I do like. And um, maybe that's where I would start to develop a bit more of a a roadmap for me in like my passions and where I want to take my life and how I want to fulfill it and what maybe my purpose is with fulfilling all these sort of activities and jobs and things like that. But I think truly I'm all about finding a passion, but it's really, you can't find a passion without trying a lot of things and 
Yeah. And so I, I just made sure I tried a lot of things when I was younger and I still do today. Like <laughs> I'm doing so many different random things that I'm still trying and I still learn to like what I don't like and what I do like and how I can bring it into my business and other parts of my life as well. So that's really exciting when you're, when you're learning all these different experiences with and how you become confident as well. Like one job can bring you, bring you this learning and then you go into another part of your life and, and you're like, oh, well, actually, I learned this from from this part. So I, I was doing a campaign for day seven, a film campaign, and we needed a builder. <laughs> and I had I'd learned I'd, I'd learned somewhere along the line of one of my jobs, how to build a door frame. And <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, I know how to do this. Like, it's fine. Like, let's do this. So, you know, little things like this. I was like, this is really fun because. Now I know how to do this and like I'm oh I'm good at it or I'm bad at it or oh that gets that gives me so much energy. <laughs> what yeah. um I really love about you and I find it very refreshing and I hope that doesn't sound condescending is that there are so many women that I've met and I've either coached who they are on a, a track, you know, they're like, I am going to go to, I'm going to get all my, you know, qualifications and I'm going to university and then I'm going to go into a job and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be promoted. And I don't know, does, I think sometimes they lose their sparkle as a result of it because they're doing what I guess society expects of them. And at the end of it, they're like exhausted or frustrated. Yeah. Whereas for you, you have followed what, well, your curiosity, you followed that, mm. you followed your interest and excitement. And I think that really shows, you know, you've got such a sparkle. I know people can't see this, um, but they can hear the energy and the sparkle in your voice. And I find that, I mean, there's no question here, but I just find that really lovely that you can be <laughs> successful. And I think this is where it's going is that, and I said this to you before, you can be a real role model for people who don't know how to follow that one track because that's oh, not really what's set up for them. And I love that about you. And you've carried that on. You've absolutely being multi-passionate <laughs> yeah I think I will continue to be as well I I do remember a couple of people actually I've heard this a few times in my life because people always tell me to just just stay and sit in one spot in one space and I'm like no I I really want my hands in a lot of things like because I enjoy them all but I hear this a lot when people say, oh, um, you'll probably have two careers in your life. And I think, oh, I've probably already had like 12. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, like, and I think, well, and I haven't hated that. I've loved that. And when I was living in Japan, actually, that was where it was quite apparent where it wasn't acceptable to have many different careers. Like there, it's quite culturally accepted that you have to work at one thing for a very long time and then you're, you're kind of respected in that field and yeah for me they would be looking like definitely my housemate that I was working with she always said oh yeah you wouldn't be able to work for my father's company <laughs> because I've just worked for too many different jobs and or dabbled in too many different things but I think for that traditional track that does sort of hit those milestones of career and promotion in this one sort of avenue. Sometimes it is for people and that is what is encouraged at, at high school. I always thought, oh, well, I want to do so many things. So I think I'm a bit more of the deviant from the group there, <laughs> like, especially like traveling after school and finding things there. But yeah, I definitely think that sort of deviance from this traditional 
university and career oriented. I have a lot of friends that do that. And sometimes they always, that they're the ones that do have this feeling of like career change, or they have a feeling of like, oh, they don't enjoy their job, but, but because they figured it out so young, what they wanted to do. And maybe because it was like one of four subjects at school that they were good at or something like that. It's quite limited at school and you don't really even know what job could be a prospect towards. Like, there are so many different types of jobs. You've done lots of, you know, you've, you're multi-passionate. You've done lots of jobs, you said, and you traveled a lot and you mentioned Japan. So at what point did it all start coming together to bring it into day seven? And we'll talk about what day seven is in a minute, but day seven is your company. When did it all start to come together and you think, actually, this is where I want to channel my energy? Mm. Oh, I think it was quite early days where I really wanted to go into a world of fashion. I loved fashion when I was younger, but then I was traveling and I thought maybe modeling was that way in, or I thought photography might've been that way in. I really liked that creative side of fashion and I was always designing my own clothes and I loved that but I could I couldn't really piece the puzzle together when I when it was early days of thinking of this you know I sort of was going down these mainstream tracks of like oh well to be a fashion designer you have to do this and that and to be a a model you've got to go here and that and do this and like different ideas around this whole concept that I loved like in fashion and then I was working hospitality at the time and that's what I I just started I guess also deviating from the group of my peers when I was in hospitality as well and I I started thinking like oh the fashion that the customers have are really amazing but <laughs> we're here in these kind of crazy promotional workwear that was just really uncomfortable but It didn't eventuate for a long time. I had these thoughts over and over, but when you have these ideas, you're just sort of mulling over them for a while and you don't really sort of bring up conversations here and there about them, but it takes a long time to eventuate a business idea and really start to like conceptualize it in in a more whole way. So I I think I was sitting on this idea for a good few years and, and started taking everything and I didn't think I was capable of it either. I was like, how on earth would I become a business owner like that? That's crazy. <laughs> like, I have no money right now in my pocket. How could that possibly happen? Like, that is such a big dream to have and, and possibly impossible. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a very far-fetched idea. And then it was when I was in Japan that it sort of started to be a bit more real when I... I just started meeting people and I was like, oh, you know what? Like there are people out there. I started meeting more people that had small businesses and made it happen and hearing their stories on how they started it. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do this. And that's when I started turning to Google to sort of train my brain into a a fashion designer and a business owner as well. Like I definitely took Google as my <laughs> my university degree, which was, yeah, as we like have spoken before, we've said that it's a rare thing to do, but also um, we both know a lot of people that are doing it, like you and I both, like <laughs> in that sense as well. And yeah, Google can teach you a lot. And that's what I sort of 
I, it made it made it sound possible to me as well when I was like, there's so much accessible on the internet, and I'm in this day and age where I can use the internet. You know, I was in Japan, I couldn't read kanji or any Japanese characters all that well, so I couldn't really go to the library and learn Japanese from a library or anything. So the internet was definitely very helpful in that time. Where I was learning from start to finish, and I'm sure I've missed a lot of pieces in fashion design, but <laughs> that's where now I love hiring the experts to do this work as well because they do know better than me. But I am aware of what they do as well. I've taught myself what they do. I've taught myself what needs to happen, maybe like the sequence of production and things like that. So, and the importance in production as well. So. It was, it's exciting to learn these and be like, oh, yeah, I actually compared to six years ago when this was just a floating idea in my head or, you know, conceptualizing it, I have learned so much. And um, I, I think, oh, yeah, maybe I could write myself a, a certificate or a degree. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to something you said um, and we're going to talk about, because you said, you know, six years ago or somewhere around that time, you know, mm. you didn't think it was even possible for, mm. for you to run a business. But before we go down that track, just tell everybody what day seven is. And so people are really clear. Yeah, of course. Day seven is functional workwear for contemporary hospitality, where we custom design stylish uniforms for front of house hospitality, because that's Primarily the the uniforms that are missing in the hospitality atmosphere. Chefs have their uniforms and they're all sorted. But um, the front of house where I mainly worked was always missing. And I think it was a sort of a bad reflection on the customer that they have there and like the interiors that they spend so much money on as well. So aesthetically, we try and create and work together with businesses to custom design something that can be worn proudly forever with their whole teams and like perpetually sort of worn throughout everyone's size changes and business roles and everything from like repairs and um, replacing them if you know if they've done back-to-back shifts for a long time but yeah so we proudly work custom design hospitality workwear an avenue where custom design probably has been more seen from fashion designers in hospitality uh, where hospitality owners would reach out to fashion designers but yet the functionality from a misunderstanding or just a lack of understanding in the hospitality duties that they conduct just might not be there so we kind of meet in the middle and create a beautiful piece from a fashion designer that we we collaborate with and take our experience from hospitality and combine it with functionality for the job and yeah have some beautiful wares they are really beautiful <laughs> and just amazing colors as well and it feels like a crime to even call them a uniform because they're not like a uniform to me is something you'd i don't know be a prison guard or something you know it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, they're beautiful and we'll talk about sustainability in a bit but let's go back to the theme around you saying six years ago that is that even possible for me to run a business and a successful business and one that's growing? Yeah. Where where did all that confidence come from to step into running a business? Yeah, I think I. It was a spark. It was a little spark where I just found this energy 
which I think it honestly just came from deep within because no one really validated the idea or anything like this from my mind, like just from conversations. I just thought, I think this is needed or mainly it was needed for someone like me. I was the waitress who wanted it. I was the waitress who needed it. I was sick of wearing this. So I guess that confidence of like, I think someone will pick this up. Someone like someone will enjoy that I'm doing this for their business and to like elevate their business because it's a waitress and wearer of a business or the waiter that needs this or that wants this and that wants to be proud of where they work and they want to stay there for a long time. So I was truly coming from a place of advocacy for wait staff and front of house staff and and trying to kind of take all that energy that I had of, I guess, what I thought was wrong in the industry or um, how I think staff were treated. And I mean, that like staff treatment in hospitality is getting better and better, but like I think it's also got a long way to go in terms of culture within that industry. And I think at, at the time when I was conceptualizing the brand, it was pre-COVID, none, none of this sort of thought about culture of hospitality either. So I, I definitely wanted to create a brand around these feelings that I had personally within the the industry. So it was it was a nice energy that I brought from that experience. And I thought, well, if if I'm not gonna if I can't find it anywhere, I think I'm the only one that's gonna do it. Or so that I just sort of kept going with that sort of train of thought that I'm like, I'm doing it for me or people like me and and that's why I sort of kept that confidence. Mm. And you said you've done a lot of Google and um, I imagine a lot of YouTube as well, because Snap, so have I, um, in order to make this podcast happen. But along the way then, so have you had coaches, mentors, who supported you and helped this business come to life? Oh, that's a really nice question. <laughs> I um, I definitely think it was people around me in the beginning, because I also, at the time, I couldn't afford any you know, professional coaches or anything. So it was a lot of following people I liked or the works I liked on online and what they would show, how people conducted businesses, other business owners as well. I would always follow their sort of journeys on how they did things, take note, like, oh my gosh, podcasts are amazing like, and still are. Like I always take something from a podcast and that's really you know, it was a, it was a cheap <laughs> consult, really. Where, like especially in my early days, I was like, "Oh, they did this. Oh, great! Like maybe we should try that or take that on board." But then I started to look to more, I guess, specified coaches as well, and people that were really mainly all women as well. Um, I think women have like a different way in business, or the way they interact with people and supporting each other's businesses as well. They understand something that is just unwritten. I feel, um, and it's it's a, it's beautiful. And that's mainly most women who have their own businesses. They've got this hustle about it. It's like it's almost like no one's ever had a business like them because it's like they're just hustling and it's great. <laughs> and I I don't know like a woman without a business that isn't hasn't got this hustle attitude or this this energy about them. So. That was really inspiring for me to just sort of keep keep following these people that you aspire to be like or these businesses that you really admire as well. And 
yeah, that's sort of where I always get my inspiration from. And and, and you said, I mean, you've admitted you don't have a fashion degree, you don't have a fashion background, you've got an interest. Mm. So when when you started being serious, taking this to market and wanting to find clients, how did, I mean, were you taken seriously or people like, mm, you know, okay, Molly, you know, she doesn't have the background. Is this a serious business? How did, how did you step into that space and find the confidence to be like, no, this is just bullshit. I am totally qualified for this and my designs are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's totally a tall poppy syndrome though. <laughs> and that's a whole conversation, but I, I think I just had to tell people or not even tell I never told anyone um you would just walk in as any other fashion designer and just because I hadn't got a degree doesn't mean I can't conceptualize or think or um do like them kind of thing and I know it does seem somewhat unfair when I am in a room full of qualified fashion designers and I do feel very like oh I should get a certificate for this (laughs) or but and it, and it was quite hard in the beginning. I thought, oh, I had to pretend I had to be a fashion designer. Or I had to pretend like I did go to uni for it because people didn't take it seriously. So it was something I kept a little hush-hush for a little bit, not on purpose. And if people asked, then I would be completely transparent about it. But it wasn't something I would readily bring up or make hugely public because I did think it was something that was going to change people's opinions on the reputation of the brand and everything but um and that's when I started leaning into more my hospitality experience and using that as more well this is the experience that I'm bringing to you and this is how I relate to my fashion designers who work with me and who work really closely so that's sort of how it's eventuated as now I'm just more of a communicator as like a hospitality the, the hospitality knowledge and relating that back to communicating that back to the fashion designer that we work with. And, and so, and that's really worked out in the end because I was very transparent in the beginning when hiring these, the fashion designers that we work with and they, yeah, I, I'm like, Hey, look, I'm not a fashion designer. And they're like, wow, look what you've done. You've been able to do this. And to get that also like sort of a boost of confidence from them to be like, look what you've done without a fashion degree. That's amazing. You know, things that we actually don't because you've done it differently. Mm. You haven't had this in a box sort of learning. You've had to go and learn all these things yourself. And you might've missed a lot of what we learned, but you've actually learned things that we haven't learned. And that was yeah. like a really good uh, confidence booster really to be like, Okay, I've done some things right. <laughs> and how many people have you got working for you now? There's about five, and we all they all work casually um, because we're a very growing um, startup. But it's been beautiful over this COVID period. We've really cultivated a gorgeous team of people that some have come and gone, but some have been like, "Hey, I've got a friend," and um, just a really good group of people. Um, that we're working with at the moment in our team. And it's just really beautiful because I guess in the beginning when we first launched, that was what I really struggled with. I was doing everything 
And I thought that's how it would be forever. And then I realized I'm actually not good at this or I'm actually not that great at that, but I will give it a crack and I will understand it. But I I will also accept that I'm not good at it. And um, that's where I actually really like to start to cultivate teams that oh, they're really good at that and they love doing that. Let's bring them on board and they can be the expert in that and we can just communicate together on ideas and whatnot. So it's been really beautiful, that whole journey of like hiring people and cultivating a team. It's it's very fulfilling as well because they're such cheerleaders. (laughs) I was talking about this this morning in a meeting and yeah, everyone that's working for day seven is such a cheerleader for the brand and for its future and for all our goals that we have for the future as well. It's, um, it's so beautiful to have cheerleaders and they all have side things that they do as well that I love to support them on. Um, so it's a, it's a nice group. (laughs) I really like what you said about, you know, you'll give everything a crack because I guess that's one of the things of having a startup and, and being a very small business, you've got to do a lot of it yourself, but really going through that, journey, which is a bit of a cliched term, but going through that journey of saying, well, I'm not very good at that, but I'm really good at this bit and being able to let go of the things yeah. that I imagine when you're a new you know, business owner, it's, it's really tightly controlled. So how did you know it was time to let go and say, I've got to delegate now? Good question. I don't think I actually learned when was the moment I can let go, but I, I think it's when I I think now actually just thinking about it, it it might be when in a time of really struggling to, and you're you're like, this is so hard and you try your hardest and you're trying so hard to do this one thing. (laughs) Say for example, graphic design. I'm terrible at graphic design, but I, I gave it a crack. I thought, yeah, I know how to put this together. And for a long time, we did have, um, my website and my like graphic designs on everything. And it was like, it just is not as good as a graphic, like a, a good graphic designer. So that was like a good example of like a small business, what you do. And yeah. And now working with a graphic designer and it's like, damn, that's beautiful. <laughs> so letting go of the struggle. I think it's when you're really struggling and you're like, I think I've just got to find someone who knows how to do this and can do it really like, cause they are good at it. And because they like doing it, they do it quite quickly where I could take three weeks to do this one thing where they could take two hours. Um, but so it does make a difference then. But I think that's such an important lesson for confidence is that often you know, we struggle, we struggle, and therefore we think it, the fault is ours. We're like, oh, I'm hopeless. I can't do it. And the confidence takes a nosedive. But actually you saying, I might not be good at it, but I know somebody who's going to save me time and probably some money in the long term you kept yeah. your confidence probably fairly stable as a result of it. <laughs> what were the, what are the signs that come up for you when you think actually this is really hard or I'm, I'm in a space where I'm out of my depth, what comes up for you? Oh, I've really noticed it lately. <laughs> actually, I feel I, because now I'm seeing a bit more of a, a pattern with it. And I think it's when I truly start to procrastinate a very small job that I need to do but I, I'm putting it off and it's a, a small job and I just keep procrastinating, procrastinating. And then it starts to become a very big thing in my head. And so it overtakes my thoughts and, and I start to think, 
oh God, this is way out of my depth. This very small job is way out of my depth where in actual fact it isn't, but I'm scared to do it because I'm scared I'm not maybe going to do it well enough or I know other people could do it better than me and quicker than me. And so that's when I think I start to, and I procrastinate around doing it or I, or I try to do it and it's in little pieces, little pieces, little pieces after trying for so long. And then you sort of realize that there, there is help out there. You have to ask for help sometimes. And then when you do ask for the help it actually, you know, you, you get it, have it come back to you, say like a beautiful graphic sign and, and you're like, wow, this is stunning. This is gorgeous. You just made a lookbook that looks stunning for, for day seven. And I just spent three months on that, <laughs> like trying to put it together or something where it didn't need to take that long. It didn't need to be in my thoughts for that long. But yeah, I think that is sort of a moment when, when you're sort of like starting to nosedive a little bit, it makes you sort of think, okay, but where can I, where can I fill in that spot to then concentrate on what I am good at. So then it takes that off your back. It takes it off your thoughts. And then you move on to something that you're like, I can do this really easily, easily. I can do this really well. So that's a really nice thing. Like, for example, I I love going face-to-face meetings because I just love talking to people, sitting down, having a coffee. I feel like I'm a very personal person where I always love to have another person on a, on a video video call to jump in and um, say what they need and, and give the confidence there where if I'm face to face, like I can, <laughs> I'm like good for it. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to learn like what you're good at as well in these small little, small, but very large business roles. Like they, they're small on paper, but really they're important in, in the role of business as well. So, And how long's day seven been going for? Um, we started, we launched just before the pandemic. So we, I know very, uh, the timing for it was a little off for us, but we, we actually think that we came in at a good time as well, because it was this beautiful wave in hospitality where there was a concentration in hospitality and the change of culture around it as well. And that's exactly what I am trying to create with day seven, this, this new wave of, the way we think about hospitality and the way we think about not only our customer, but actually our staff and how we're going to treat them as well as our customer. So it was a really nice, it was, I know it wasn't, it wasn't nice as such. COVID was horrible for many people, but it was lovely to see the good things that came out of Mm. COVID. And I do think hospitality was like a big thing of that. There was a lot of change happening within the industry. And it was really exciting for day seven to sort of be on that cusp of when we started and have our thoughts realigned as well, like of, and also real like aligning with businesses as well and how they were starting to think. So we're definitely riding on a bit of a wave here at the moment. <laughs> Where's that wave taking you now? What's the future for you and day seven? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, at the moment we, because we do see like a lot of uniforms and workwear around hospitality that isn't sustainable and isn't manufactured in a, in like an ethical manner. So that's something that we're really proud of at day seven to take on and be completely sustainable. We really want to become self-sustaining as well. Like would love <laughs> to do all things 
self-sustaining. So we're really working towards that and setting those foundations up for a future business to be a reputable, sustainable business. And that's starting with getting accreditation and yeah, everything, just setting those small goals and timelines. So then we can become known for that as well. And primarily known for being a sustainable brand and super transparent as well with customers and open about it all. Yeah. And in the final sort of like um, few minutes of the recording, what's your one piece of advice for somebody who's got the idea and they've got the energy and the passion and you said it came from within you? Yeah. What's what's your one piece of advice for someone who's got that and but they're also thinking, well, how could it possibly be me? Mm. What's your what how would you um advise them? Oh my gosh. I would definitely my advice for anyone looking to start a passion or looking for a passion is try every like try everything they're interested in. Like so many people have dreams of doing things, but they never do them. If you just dabble in it like I've dabbled in a lot of things that I would love to be professional at where where, but I'm not but I've dabbled in it and I know I love it and maybe one day (laughs) dream a dream (laughs) but like dabbling is fine I think dabbling teaches you a lot it exposes you to a lot of new learnings and a lot of new skills as well so and around different people in different areas and so many different avenues that I've dabbled in I've met so many different people from all walks of life so it's really helped me gain these different skills and these different people skills or a physical like building skills as well <laughs> like I said I mean they aren't that great but I do enjoy and <laughs> do enjoy it but I think it is just about trying it until you know what you don't like and and you'll figure out what you do like because it you can't stop doing it <laughs> so well, Molly, thank you so much for being on the show. And we've been talking for about 45 minutes. And I said to you at the beginning, it will go really quickly. It does. I love it because we can just get us into so many interesting conversations and the conversation twists and turns. So thank you so much for being on the show. And I really wish Day 7 all the best of luck in the future because I really do love, love your designs. I'm, I mean, I don't work in hospitality, but I would absolutely wear them if I could. Oh, thank you so much, Vanessa. It's amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please like it, share it, comment on it, and if you want to, sponsor it. If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time.